Hi, my name's Ela Edgar. And who are you? I am Charles Feldman. And we're here for Trust on Purpose. Yes. And so today we have a topic that's come up. It's kind of snuck in the back door for both of us in, in interesting ways. And so we're going to talk about the impact of, well, let's put it this way. Think about it. Have you ever had someone give you unsolicited advice where you, you're talking with someone and suddenly they have the right answer for you, the thing you should do, the next program or book or whatever that you should check out. What I'm curious, what we're curious about and want to talk about and explore today is what impact does that have on trust in that relationship when somebody comes up with that unsolicited advice? So <laughs> just the, the, in the conversation before our conversation, which we always have, both of us had experiences of that, that we could bring you to this. So what happens for you, Elo, when, when we talk about that unsolicited advice situation? Well, you know, I'm laughing because it actually happens quite a bit. And as I, you know, kind of do a little bit of a quick mental Rolodex in my head, I can think of quite a few lovely, delicious humans who often offer unsolicited advice to a problem that I'm not trying to solve, right? Yeah. But in, in their listening, in whatever I'm saying, they latch on to, oh, there's a problem and I can help you solve it. And so that's one thing that comes up for me. And the other thing, should is it like, I think it should be obliterated from the English language. Should is a tricky little mischievous word. Especially when we should on other people. Yeah, absolutely. And as soon as you were saying that, of course, I started thinking of countless times that I have done that to other people. I've given other people unsolicited advice. <laughs> so I am the, yeah, the guy who's throwing stones in a glass house for sure. Well, and I guess because it did happen to me recently and I think the difference for me and this particular person, we had a conversation about a lot of things that day, and he offered the advice as, may I share something, which I said, sure, not knowing what he was going to share. And then that's where the advice came in, that I should, I should also do this thing. And I think, you know, the difference that really made it not annoying and less shooting was for him, I know a thousand percent he was coming from a place of care. And I felt that in the conversation, we probably spent a good hour together. And so this was the tail end of that conversation. So I think that really made a difference in how I received it. I still thanked him and declined, jumping on what he thought I should do. But I was able to listen to it in a way that I just, I knew he was coming from a place of care where I'm curious about where it maybe has a different impact on the relationship and how we may or may not feel trusting in that moment is where the advice is unsolicited. It feels like it's not from a place of care. The person hasn't asked if they can. So there's a whole boatload of things that happen that then I don't know that I'm going to listen in the future. That left an icky taste in my mouth. Yeah. And I'm going to pause there. 
Because like just blah, a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, well, I think that the one big piece there is is the assessment of care or lack thereof. Is this person coming to this from a place of, can I trust that they care about me, that they really have my interests in mind? Or are they simply, simply, but are they trying to build themselves up by offering advice to me? And I'm going to say here that it, those of you who have listened to some of our previous podcasts, you've probably heard me say that kind of a hot button for me is competence when somebody questions my competence. So when somebody is you know, offering me advice without really knowing a lot about my situation and what I may have already done oh, yes. to work on whatever it is, nonetheless offers their advice, the message that I get is that they're questioning my competence. And so I have a you know, I have a little, my level of trust in them goes down because they're, they're not really demonstrating care. They're making <laughs> I'm not competent, which is going to, you yeah. know, I mean, I, I know enough about myself to know that that's there and that I can, you know, work with mm -hmm. it. But what it does say is that it's not necessarily coming from a place of care. So I begin to wonder or question, can I trust that they care? They have my back, they have my interests in mind, or are they mm -hmm. just counting their own brilliance, knowledge, and whatever. So that's, I guess, part of it is I start to lose trust there. So what happens for you, let's say that someone has offered unsolicited advice, maybe it did or did not poke your hot button, but there was unsolicited advice offered. How does that change the way that you behave around them? Or do you? Well, I guess if it happens once or twice in a long-ish term relationship, you know, like somebody that I've been working with for a while, thinking back to the times when I worked in companies and a peer or even sometimes a senior leader or whatever. Although now here's an interesting thing that I want to come back to is I want to just put a pin in this and that is who we give permission to give us advice and why. And is it a sort of a blanket permission until we withdraw it? versus the person in the next cubicle who really doesn't know me that well, and I don't know them that well, who's offering me advice unsolicited. Yeah. But what happens is, and I guess, do I behave any differently? Yeah, I can start to avoid that person. If it happens more than a couple of times, once, twice, maybe, yeah, okay. The third time I'm going, yeah. I don't know where this is coming from on their part, but I don't really trust them to know who I am and really care about who I am. They're just sort of chronic advice givers. Ooh. So. I'm writing that one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm writing that one down. Not that I am that person. <laughs> There's no prior agreement or permission. I'm not asking for advice in that moment. I have never really asked you for advice. So why are you giving it to me? Right. And in our conversation before the conversation, we were talking about what conversation are we in? And so you or I, as coaches, as facilitators, we may very well be in a conversation with each other where I'm actually asking for your input. I would like your advice, or here's the part that I'm struggling with. I'd love to hear your perspective. In fact, I just did that with it another coach facilitator friend the other day. I'm like, I'm really stuck. Like, I really need your help. Can you offer me some time? 
And so that was an extension and a request, which she said, absolutely, which makes all of the difference. Yes. Whereas someone who is offering advice that we haven't asked for, who is potentially coming not necessarily from a place of care of actually knowing us, I feel like there's a whole sandwich being stacked here, that also you're giving advice to a problem that you didn't even know that that's the problem I'm trying to solve. Yeah, yeah. We haven't had the conversation really about what the problem is. Yeah. If somebody offers you, look, we can talk about it. Tell me about what's going on. Let's see if we can explore it. Oh, Mm -hmm. cool. Yeah, let's do that if we have time now or can we set some time in the future. There's another piece of this that I think is important, and that is that the advice giver often has, or maybe it's my expectation, that the advice giver has the expectation that I'm going to take their advice. That you're going to do the thing that they've told you to do. Exactly. And I've had that happen, that I didn't take that advice, and they were kind of miffed that I didn't take that advice, and they let me know that I should have done it. Oh, which reminds me of the story, and I don't know if you want to go into this, but the story you told about the nurse. I mean, yeah, you might not want to go into this. but No, go ahead. Go ahead. Which one are we talking about? The nurse, when you were getting a, one of your treatments, and she said you should have taken Ativan. Oh, yes. Which, which anybody that knows me, I have a hard time taking a, a Tylenol or a baby aspirin. I don't even know if baby aspirin still exists. But the shooting and the I know better than you do. Yeah. And then her... I don't know what's the word, her disdain afterwards, like, oh, see, you should have taken my advice. And I was livid with her. I was so upset because that was not advice that worked for me. I didn't ask for it. It doesn't serve who I am and the choices that I have around what I put in my body. And so what happened to your trust in her? Oh, zero, zero. So much so, and this is me there, being very vulnerable on our live podcasting recording right now. I saw her in the hallway a couple of weeks ago and my best friend happened to be with me. And as soon as we were past, I'm like, that's the one, that's the one. And I'm so grateful when she doesn't show up to be the nurse that's working with me. I don't, I don't have any trust left. Yeah. There's none. And this goes back to, I think, for me, care. And you didn't see or hear me as a person, as a human. Yeah. You didn't bother even to no. Even no. put it easy for it. Oh, why wouldn't you want to take that? Oh, okay. I, I, I get that. Uh-huh. Help me understand that. Yeah. I offered it because I know this about it, and uh, but I uh-huh. hear that that's not going to work for uh-huh. you. Okay, that's fine. Uh-huh. Which yeah. I would have engaged in that conversation, no problem. Yeah. And I would have left with a very different assessment of her. Yeah. So again, it gets—it really does get back to care and a lot of this trust that that person mm-hmm. has my, really has my interest in mind, not just some shell. Mm-hmm. They, they see me just as a caricature or something, a character. I have a follow-up question. So A, if we have requested or given permission for someone to give us advice, do we need to be specific to say, I will listen to your advice, I may not take it, but I'm still open to hearing what you have to say? And what difference does that make in the relationship and the trust? 
Well, just thinking about when I have wanted to offer someone advice, and I hopefully was present enough to say, can I offer you some advice or can I make a suggestion? And the person said yes. Then I made my offering of whatever it was, and they didn't really say anything or they said thank you, but didn't say I won't use it or didn't say I would use it and went off and it was clear sometime later that they didn't use it. I know there was a little, for me, like my ego got hooked because, gee, my great advice didn't get used. And so there is that. But I think looking at it from if a person in that situation had said to me, yes, I would welcome it. And, you know, just be aware that I might not, I may choose not to use it. That right mm -hmm. there would actually build trust. That one little move on that person's part would actually build trust. And I can see that playing out in work scenarios all the time, where hmm. you should do this, you should do that. That little line, I thank you, and I may choose not to use it. Just want to let you know. Hmm. And if I don't, oh my gosh. I'm going to take full responsibility for, for not using it. <laughs> right. And if things go sideways because I didn't, I'll own up to that. I'll be accountable for right. that. Right. I'll be accountable for that. And please don't come running after me with the big should stick <laughs> saying, see, you should have taken my advice. You should have. Now, depending on the relationship, I think I could probably say that to you and we would just laugh about yeah. it. But again, that's because yeah. like, we have really strong trust. Yeah. Yes. And we know that we have each other's care. We trust each other's care deeply. So I think that's yeah. part of it for sure. But also we, we have... We I mean, all just speak for myself, and this extends to other people that I know as well. Again, there is an unspoken, perhaps spoken once, but then carried on forward, permission to offer suggestions, give me advice, and so on. That's different from the unsolicited and without permission advice that someone might offer me. And they may be mm -hmm. doing it out of a really good place. I really, yeah. I'm concerned. I really want to help you out here. But when we do that unskillfully, that is to say, without the request of uh, permission and acknowledgement that, or even if you don't say it, I might acknowledge, you know, I understand you might not take it and that's fine. I'm not going to feel mm -hmm. upset if you don't. Mm -hmm. yeah, and here's the advice. So I want to put a, a tiny little spin on this as well. Let's say that I'm a leader in an organization and I have a team of direct reports and they come to me in one-on-ones or whenever, it doesn't matter, they come to me with their challenges, with their barriers, or here's where I'm stuck, here's what's going on, I don't know what to do. And this actually happened, I, th I was telling you that I just finished teaching a uh, leader as coach course. And so we have a room full of new intermediate and then quite experienced leaders and we did a values exercise and it was fascinating how values around problem solving or achievement accomplishment or order or even generosity drove behavior to not let the person struggle like, oh, I don't want them to be in a rut. You know, I don't want them to struggle about this. It's just easy for me to jump in and give them the answer or tell them what to do. And so this is a really interesting 
pivot or twist about leaders that do come from a place of care. Their values are driving their behavior. But again, what's the impact to their direct reports? And is that what they were actually looking for? So thoughts on that one? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, of course, and I know you have too, have coached leaders who have that same story. You happen to have a whole room full of them. <laughs> I did. And it was so fun. It was so fun. Yeah. I've certainly coached plenty of leaders who that's kind of the story, you know? Okay. And my challenge often to them is, is it really about care for that person? Or is it just that your story is that it's easier for you to do it for them than to take the time and effort, especially you know, under limited time to train and develop? Mm -hmm. But that's part of what good leadership is, is taking the time to do that. So my challenge is, is it really about caring for that other person? Or is it more about you not wanting to take the time and the effort to help them think through it for themselves? Which, by the way, is different from sending them off and saying, you go figure this out, come back to me. Right. It actually takes more of an investment in time and energy than telling them that, yeah, way more than that, and more investment in time and energy than just telling them what to do. That's often, I think, the case that when I do make that sort of challenge the leaders around, they go, oh, yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and yeah. it is just easier for me to do it, and I don't have that much time, and I need to get this report too, or I need to get this slide deck done and, and done right, and that it's just not happening. And so I'm just going to tell them what to do, or sometimes I just do it myself. And then again, what's the impact of that behavior? Yeah. And what is the unintentional message you're sending to that direct report or your team? Yes, it's very clear. You don't trust us. Yeah. You don't trust me. Yeah. You're not competent. I don't trust you to get this done. I can't rely on you. Yeah. All sorts of not great messages. Yeah. I think one of the things that I offered this particular classroom full of leaders was also there's a lovely question that we can ask before jumping into solutioning or advice giving. And that can be, is this something that you need help with or do you just need me to listen? Yes. And often that is the case. And that's a great question to pose and to stop and consider for the person who's coming with the, the situation. Because it's yeah. sometimes that person hasn't even thought, what am I really here asking for? Why am I saying this in the first place? What do I want? And of course, we're in work world so often. Our assumption is that we've got to get stuff done. And why on earth would you take time just trying to talk something through and be listened? But as you and I both know, sometimes just listening to someone without giving advice really helps them sort it out. I remember the first time that as a leader that I kind of realized that someone, I'm going to say this, it's going to be ironic, but my boss said, try, gave me some advice, try just listening. <laughs> <laughs> now that was good advice. <laughs> it was excellent advice. And I had a standing agreement 
myself internally and with my boss, I think probably externally do that. I would take my boss's advice when it was offered. And so I did just listen. And what I listened to was the person work through their own issue without me saying, boo, you know, in the conversation, I hardly said anything. And I'm like, oh my gosh, wow, I have a whole different idea of what this person is capable of that I'd never understood before because I'd always just gave them my advice and sent them on their way. And in doing that, you just increased the trust dial by showing that you could care, hold space, and listen. Yeah. Wow. Like that person would walk away feeling, A, probably some accomplishment or some pride in like, I figured it out. This is cool. I got it. Right? Mm -hmm. But also the sense that, wow, my leader really does have my back. Yes. I think that's what happened in that relationship and many subsequent relationships. You know, sometimes it takes a little more than just listening. It takes asking some Uh uh, what I call generous questions that open up territory. But the rest of it is what I call generous listening. Mm -hmm. Listening deeply and Mm -hmm. allowing the other person their time and space to do what they need to do to get to their own best answer to the whatever their question or concern is. And it's interesting because we've gone far afield of giving advice and what happens in some ways. But that's sort of the MO, the standard MO in most businesses, is you give direction or you give advice. And there's the other options of listening, of of asking open questions or you know, some generous questions. There is, um, it kind of fits in here and it's making me thinking and I'm just looking, I emailed it to myself. Every moment that triggers you is actually a moment for mastery. Hmm. So when I am triggered or poked or spicy about the way someone is doing something or not doing something, and I would like to solution or advice give, it's an invitation for me to pause and decide what do I actually want to master? Am I going to lean into that reactive behavior that potentially damages trust? Plus also, is this an opportunity for leaning into mastery? Yeah. And that brings up for me, I want to talk to the coaches who are listening now, Mm. especially the newer coaches. I was one of those at one point. So we talk to our clients and we talk about them giving us permission to coach them and they say yes. And then as we're going along, we start falling into giving them advice. And they take it because there's this agreement and this always isn't just part of coaching. So one of the things that we need to talk about mastery or on the path to mastery is coaching. One of the first steps is to be able to distinguish between advice giving in many subtle ways, like, have you thought of? Yeah. Or whatever our little, you know, ways that we give advice. And truly, again, listening generously and then asking generous and opening questions, which is really the coaching way. And I do work with coaches in training through a coach training program. And every new coach that I work with is going through that same struggle. I listen to their coaching sessions and, you know, give them feedback and, and that that first, you know, the first couple of sessions, they really struggle often, especially if they have come from a leadership position in a company, a leadership role themselves. In that leadership role, 
they were tuned to giving advice. That was how they succeeded as a leader. And now they have to actually stop themselves, bite their tongue, not give that little nugget of advice that they, they know this person needs in this moment, and instead really find the question that will open something up that neither of them may know about. Neither the coach or the coachee may have any inkling is there, and then suddenly you ask the question, and it is. And that's you know, where the real work begins for the client, and that's the real work of the coach, as opposed to falling into advice-giving. And it's really easy to do, whether it's as a coach, as a leader, as a parent, as a partner. I never give my kids yeah. or my wife advice. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm glad they're not going to listen to this one. mother. I'm never going to tell my wife, yeah. my son, to listen to this episode. Ex-Nate. <laughs> you won't enjoy that one. Don't listen terrible, to it. Terrible, terrible episode. Terrible. Yeah. But I think, you know, I really love, again, how we started this and what's the impact and what does it do to our relationships and our trust with each other when our advice gremlin is like roaring his crazy head. Yeah. There certainly is a time and a place for advice. Yeah. What it's asked for. Can you give me some advice? I don't know how to do this. I'm not looking for coaching. I'm not looking to have some bigger learning. I just want to know how to do this. Can you give me some advice on this? So there is a time and a place for advice. And when it's given without solicitation, without a request for it, and without a real understanding of who I am and what I'm trying to accomplish, that's when it begins to damage trust. Mm -hmm. I would add when it's asked for, or we may say something like, this sounds like something that you could use advice on. Is that true? And if so, would you like some advice about this? And respect the person's acceptance or decline or whatever it is. We can extend the offer doesn't mean, again, they have to accept it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think this is a good place to stop this conversation, this episode. We will be back with another one not too long from now. Mm-hmm. And that, ooh, we have a juicy one. The next one where we're going to record is really, oh, I can't wait. I think this one was good. So we're leaving. I think this one was This was good, too. too. This was good, yeah. But we're leaving a cliffhanger here. This is like inserting a cliffhanger. There's a good yes. one coming. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Charles. Thank you, Hila. We'll talk to you again soon. On behalf of both Charles and myself, we want to say a big thank you to our producer and sound editor, Chad Penner, Hillary Rideout of Inside Out Branding, who does our promotion, our amazing graphics, and marketing for us. And our theme music was composed by Jonas Smith. If you have any questions or comments for us about the podcast, if you have a trust-related situation, that you'd like us to take up in one of our episodes, we'd love to hear from you at trust at trustonpurpose.org. And we'd also like to thank you, our listeners. Take care and keep building trust on purpose. Until next time. Until next time.